back, guys, to another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. This is Eric Elliott. As always, I am your host and owner and founder of Refocus Nutrition. Uh, this week, we have on a very awesome guest, a different one with uh, quite the introduction that I gave him earlier or later on, I guess. Um, it's Marcus Philly. Marcus Philly is the owner and founder of uh, Revival Strength, um, but he also is... A former games athlete. He's a former athlete himself. I mean, he's still, it it depends, I guess, on your definition of what athlete means. Um, but today, he's also built himself into um, kind of just changing and transitioning the fitness, uh, the fitness world and the fitness industry in terms of what fitness looks like, um, but also you know, what functional fitness looks like. And that's something that we talk briefly about in the podcast. It's something I want to dive more into on a further episode with Marcus, uh, just talking about what functional bodybuilding is and why people should do it from time to time um, or for eternity. Because, I mean, you look at a guy like Marcus himself who looks looks the part and, you know, is is doing everything that a lot of people say they want to do when they start the gym anyways, is which is, you know, just look and feel good which he's you know he's living that part uh, Marcus does it really well with his programming uh, it has a good balance of you know testing yourself and getting a sweat on but also at the same time building some muscle so that's uh, I really think his program has helped a lot of people which we talk about as well as and in, in addition to his his CrossFit career um, and where he's where he's come and what he's done since just joining CrossFit um, and since starting in the fitness industry himself so without further ado, guys, uh, jump into and listen to this week's episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast with Marcus Philly. Thanks, guys. And we're back, guys, with this week's episode. We are back with a really awesome guest. This time we have on Marcus Philly. Um, Marcus has a, a really long bio that I can kind of get into. He's a four-time games athlete, one-time team. He finished his best finish uh, at, at 12th place in 2016 in the CrossFit Games. Um, but more than that, he's a health and fitness professional working on the uh, the functional bodybuilding aspect of things. I think he was the very first person I heard that term from um, that's kind of gotten a little bit more traction in recent years. Um, one of the other things is that on the softer side of things is he's got uh, a wicked man bun that he's sporting today. <laughs> he's a big, uh, big Justin Bieber fan when it comes to working out. So Welcome to uh, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, to start off with, Marcus, like, tell me, I guess, a little bit about you, the Coles notes of who Marcus Philly is. How did he get to where he is today? Um, yeah, it's uh, well. Thanks for having me, first and foremost. And uh, I, I'm, man, where do you, where do where do you even start? I guess I'll just I'll kind of keep it as uh, high level as possible, as brief. You know, I'm I was a a very focused. Uh, kid growing up you know like just didn't didn't um didn't need someone to tell me what to do and uh didn't need somebody to like provide me a you know motivation like I was very self-driven and that and that showed up in all walks of life athletics school uh anything I decided to get my hands on I started to learn you know sleight of hand magic when I was like 12 years old and like I just full on dedicated to that for two years and got quite good um, at that. So it's like, I just, I had a knack for kind of digging deep into, into subjects that were of interest to me and, and none more so than like science, physiology, nutrition, and, and fitness really. Those were the kind of like 
piqued my interest all the way through really high school and then into college. And so I, well, while I was doing a bunch of like, you know, pre-medical stuff, going down the road of becoming a doctor, going to medical school, my, my peak interests were really uh, exercise, uh, nutritional sciences, physiology, and, and then the application to both sport and just like personal wellness and health and feeling good uh, and getting ripped, you know, getting jacked because I was like into that too. Um, so then all of that kind of just landed me in and around the, the fitness industry. Uh, I tried to, I tried to go to medical school, realized pretty quickly that that wasn't my route that I wanted to take. And, um, and then wound up in a CrossFit gym and then sort of took, took to coaching individuals, took to coaching groups, just took to that, that scene. Um, and so decided that was going to be the path I wanted to create as a career. And along the way I got into some competitive fitness, um, sort of, I mean, not, you know, I was interested in it, but it wasn't, wasn't my primary focus. And, and then it became a, a principal focus towards the later years of competing because it was, uh, I was having success with it. And then that's where I'm at today. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of like tangents we can go into on the, on the story of who you are. I mean, to start off with one of the, the sleight of hand one is not something that I expected already or even read about you before or heard, or heard from you in other podcasts as well. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> I imagine it'll come in hand if you still remember any of it when your kids are about the age where they find that kind of stuff like just incredibly fascinating. Um, when it comes to your career or getting into school aspects of things, I think along with a lot of people when they get to that age of, you know, 18, you know, 17 to to 24 those formative years as as people say you you kind of changed and and as long as as long as everyone else does too um before you went to, to into the pre-medical world you were into fitness did you think you know what was the why didn't you just get into fitness and fitness coaching and all those kinds of things to start off with was it like you know was it the fear of not of following a kind of a traditional career or did that have nothing to do with it if you know what i mean um, let's see. Well, in, so let's go back to like when I was 16 years old or 17 years old, it's like 2000, 2002 and starting to like, I mean, I, well, one, I hadn't, I mean, I, I was just starting to think about college. I graduated in 2002 from high school, uh, getting into college. So let's say it's 2003. Um, my experience in fitness was like going to gold's gym and following traditional, like, bodybuilder programs or things that I had read on like teen nation at the time. And, you know, some strength coach, uh, programs. Um, but it was like, there were personal trainers. There were a couple online fitness, you know, celebrity coaches or, or, you know, world renowned strength conditioning coaches that were publishing stuff on teen nation. And then, and then there was like the corporate gym life. And none of that really like spoke to me as like, Oh, that's what I want to do. That really is. Um, so CrossFit wasn't a thing. And I mean, it was a com was up, but I was totally oblivious to it. And so was the rest of the world. Um, there were not strength and conditioning gyms that were like what they are today. I mean, people were not coming to the, to, to boutique gyms or even box gyms to, to do anything other than like, you know, Pilates or yoga or boot camps. And so 
I really didn't, it, it just, there's nothing in fitness that like struck me as like, that's the path that I want to take. Um, and I think I was just, I grew up in a family of doctors and, and people in healthcare that, you know, it's like I, I came to, and maybe this is true for a lot of kids growing up. It's like, this is the lifestyle that I have been given access to paved by a couple careers in this field. And I'm going to probably uh, that, that, okay, that looks attainable and doable. And I like this lifestyle and I want to have this kind of life in the future. And these are areas, you know, health and science and medicine. I mean, these are all things I was, I was interested in and I was relatively good at in school. So kind of just following a path that was sort of in front of me that, that seemed logical without anything that was, that looked, you know, I, maybe I hadn't done enough investigating of like, well, how can I make a career out of health and fitness? But I just, it was just different 20 years ago. Like there, I don't, there was not as much of it and there weren't people doing it the way that they're doing it today. And certainly the way that I'm doing it today, it wasn't really being done. So, um, yeah, it just, it, there was a, a lack of, of like true mentorship or, or guidance or role models that I would, I would look up to. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And, and even looking at it from this aspect of things like these platforms didn't exist. Like Instagram didn't exist. Reaching out to you, like reaching out to people of, of that caliber or the higher echelons of strength and conditioning probably wasn't as readily available at that time. Um, so that totally makes sense. When it comes to, you know, after college and starting to figure out who you were and where you wanted to do, how did that transformation happen? I know you did a lot of traveling after after college or during college, I, I think. Um, so tell me a little bit about that transformation with yourself. Um, that's, I, I suppose that really started. Yeah. It started kind of my final year of college. So, um, I had, let's see, I had just taken the MCATs, which is like the, you know, uh, a, like standardized test to get into medical school that everyone has to take. And this was like my junior the summer between junior and senior year of college. And so that, that, that's like a pretty stressful period of time for most people that are headed down that uh, education path. And so like I had this big, you know, uh, thing checked off my list. My grades were good. I had, you know, positioned myself well to be a good applicant to medical school. And it was like all of this energy just had gotten poured out into it. And then suddenly it was my senior year and I was like, Oh man, I am like totally depressed and not excited. Like I was, I was riding the high of the the journey to get into medical school, and then I'm like, I'm knocking on the door of it, and I I don't even know if I want to be doing this, you know? Like, or I was questioning, like, well, gosh, is this? Like, I feel like I've just been on this education train for so many years. There's no break in sight because once you get into medical school, it's like an eight to ten year, you know, grind to get to the end of it where you're actually a a fully licensed practicing physician of some specialty, which I was not sure on. So it just kind of got, it, it got clear to me in that senior year that like something was missing and I needed to take a little bit of time away from it all. And by it, I mean the academic world to sort of get clarity. I'm like, well, what do I, what do I want to be doing? So I deferred my uh, acceptance to medical school by actually I deferred I, I waited a year to apply and then I deferred my acceptance once I got it for another year. So I gave myself two years of a break after college 
and I would say that that two years after college was, you know, the transformative years for me of like traveling, getting, getting some, like maybe some wor like worldly perspective, you know, engaging in some different uh, activities and, and, and networks and groups that I, I otherwise would have never kind of gotten connected to some spiritual groups, just do some self exploration of like what, what am, what am I about if I if you, if I strip the, the labels of being an academic or a, an athlete away and those were uh, those were important years for me to kind of get clear on you know what do I want to see in my future and and therefore when I went back to medical school I reengaged in the academic world I had I'd learned enough that like I could see relatively quickly like this wasn't this wasn't going to be for me. Yeah, I think that's really important to to kind of do for a lot of people. Like a lot of people spend those those years traveling and, like you said, figuring it out, figuring life out. I know that was the case for myself as well. When it comes to getting into fitness, um, you know, you've gone through those years of bodybuilding. I think you played uh, soccer when you were in college as well. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And how did you find CrossFit? Like, did you just stumble upon it? Did you? When did you first hear of it? Did you? When you first heard of it, did you think you would get into it? Kind of thing. Yeah, it was, it was between, it was in those couple of years that I was like in between school and, uh, or, you know, undergraduate and graduate school. I was doing lots of fitness at the time. I'd really gotten connected with some good people in my like local fitness community here in Marin County. We were, you know, training five, six days a week, doing a whole variety of different stuff, playing golf a couple times a week, like just an active group going on bike rides, uh, lifting weights, doing sports performance training. Um, you know, I was playing around with a, a little Olympic lifting from what I had learned in college. And so I was just kind of consuming anything I could find on fitness and getting introduced to Paul check and getting introduced to Pollock and like these methods that were out there. And, uh, so I was kind of just thirsty and hungry for more fitness knowledge. And, and one of the people in that group was like living in, in San Francisco in a part of the city that was like just down the street from what, from where the original San Francisco CrossFit was. Um, it was a parking lot, essentially. Uh, they were like an outdoor gym and Kelly Starrett was the owner, he and his wife. And, you know, Adrian Bosman was one of the head coaches there. And there were just like some names that are obviously now kind of standard household names in the CrossFit community. At the time, it was just this, still this obscure thing. It was like the first 50 gyms. And she was like, oh, you should come try this class with me on the weekend. I'm like, done. Like, it didn't matter what it was. I was like, let's go do some fitness. And so I dropped in on a class. And uh, yeah, that was kind of like my first, my first exposure to it. I had actually heard the name CrossFit a couple times before that from a from few different people. And I, I had made the assumption that they were like, that they were just like, uneducated fitness people they were trying to say cross training but they were saying crossfit and i was like oh you know you don't quite know what you're talking about kind of thing but uh and then it then it became clear to me that this crossfit was a brand that had its own kind of method and i dove into the website so that all happened in 2000 and uh sometime early 2007 oh wow so like yeah like all the i mean that's the, the a straight up OG CrossFitter that you are, I guess, being around since the start of it. Um, when it comes to that, you know, cross training, I definitely encountered that when I first came across it, I was like, Oh, this is just cross training. And then you try it a few times. When did you, when did you first become um, aware that there was a competitive 
extreme to CrossFit or a sport within CrossFit. Um, just because, you know, if that was 2007. The first games, I believe, was in 2007. Did you? Mm-hmm. When did you? I guess become aware that there was that stream of uh, the sport. Oh, right away. I mean, immediately. I, 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 once I started to investigate what was happening on the website, uh, it was it was pretty soon that I, I recognized that there were that there were elite athletes within the CrossFit method. You know, the, these are just the people that were on the website: Greg Amundsen, Chris Spieler, James Fitzgerald, like uh, Josh Everett. That th- th- they were the ones that were doing the videos of like the benchmark workouts and all that. And, you know, there had, the, 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 the games had already happened. So this was like, I guess this was end of 2007, early 2008. So the games had already happened and they were already like starting to produce like the, the lead up to the 20, uh, 2008 games. Um, and I remember like, I, I, I went traveling that summer, 2008, when games were going to be held in Aromas, which is not far from where I live. It was like two hour drive. Um, and I was like, oh, I can't go to the games. I'm going to be in, I think I was in Bali or someplace in Indonesia. And, um, but I was like c- kind of aware that it was happening. I was tracking some stuff and I had already been doing some CrossFit workouts. So it, it was on my mind. It was on my radar. And I actually recall that in 2000, um, 2008, I got accepted to Ohio State University Medical School, which is in Columbus, Ohio. And where many people know that Rogue Fitness is is headquartered out of now. At the time, there was there were zero CrossFit gyms in Columbus, Ohio. Now there's like twenty five in like the same area. Um, but I went out there for to basically secure an apartment for medical school, and I I drove out to this small town, the suburb called Gahanna, and that's where Rogue Fitness or CrossFit Gahanna was at the time. And it was owned by Bill and Katie Henniger and Katie Motter at the time, I think Mater Motter, that's how you pronounce her last name, uh, was just a head coach there. Um, they hadn't been married yet. And a month before that, she just won the CrossFit Games, the 2008 CrossFit Games. And I showed up to do, take a class with them and she coached the class. And it was chest to bar Cindy because they had just introduced chest to bar pull-ups for the first time at the games when they did chest bar Fran. And so it was like, oh, this is the new standard. We're all doing chest bar Sydney. And I did chest bar Sydney in their gym on some of their first fabricated pull-up rigs. So just a tangent story, but it was pretty, it was pretty cool that I showed up and I was like, Hey, I kind of recognize you. Like you look like, you know, like, and she was like, yeah, yeah. I just won the CrossFit games. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know, it was like, I mean, nowadays, if you like show up and you just like bump into, you know, Tia Toomey, it's going to be a really big deal. At the time, it's funny that I was just sitting in like a the waiting the waiting room or the lounge area at CrossFit Gahanna, and I was like, "Oh, you you look kind of familiar." Like she's like, "Yeah, I just won the games." I'm like, "Oh, cool." Well, even like even just thinking that like of Bill and Katie, like that if that's you know 2008, 11 years later, they're like they went from basically, like you said, a fabricated couple of pull-up rigs to the juggernaut that Rogue is right now in terms of the, the fitness equipment that they build. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy that you were kind of right there for their start of the things too as well. So that's, that's pretty awesome. So when it comes to, your, you know, your first games trip was in 2012, um, but it was team from what I gather anyways. 
Um, how did you, how fast did you get good? If we, if we want to cali calibrize it at that, um, how did you like, what was your biggest areas of weakness? Were you like, were you strong really fast? Were your gymnastics really bad to start off with? Where were you that way? Um, so the first, yeah, my first games is 2010 uh, as a team. So we did three, three years of team prior to me switching to, to individual sport and the 2000, like, I mean, I was, I was relatively good at everything from the beginning. You know, I, I had a decent amount of capacity in each thing. The, the problem was that I got into the team sport early on. Uh, and I may, maybe not a problem, but I, because I was playing team CrossFit in the early days, team CrossFit and how it was being designed and, and uh, how we were being tested essentially was like, it was kind of what true CrossFit, you know, couplets and triplets and stuff like that were all about, except for just more on the like power end of the spectrum. So like, you know, anaerobic stuff, like you got to be fast, like work rest scenarios. There was really no endurance component to early stages of that. You know, I think the longest event that we ever did any individual, uh, any team event through 2010, 11, and 12, I think I had to run like an 800 meter. Like, you know, that was it. Like there was no, there was nothing where I had to continuously work for more than two to five minutes. There was no um, ruck run, right? Yeah. Well, not even that, but there was like no chipper. Like I, I remember seeing in 2012, like the final event for the individuals was like this, this couplet, you had to do a bunch of rounds right into another couplet, a bunch of rounds right into some farmer's carries and some, it was like a, a 15 minute workout. And I had zero, I had zero familiarity with how to do that. Like I was just not trained in any way to be, to be able to do a chipper. And, and in fact, I did in 2010, there was a sectional competition that was an individual CrossFit competition, which I did without any intention of like going to the games or like going and competing beyond that. I was going to be on a team for regionals, but I wanted to try it out. There were three, there were four events, three of which I placed in like the top five and one where I placed like 30th because it was a, like a 20 minute chipper and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like I didn't know how to pace myself. I had no aerobic, you know, fitness base. I played college soccer, but I was a goalkeeper. So I didn't know, like I wasn't on a runner. Like I didn't, have that foundation and so that was kind of like I was decently strong I moved well I had good mechanics I could do a ton of pull-ups I could do the skills I could keep up and everything except if it was like five rounds for time that involved you know lots of repetitions of stuff I didn't have an understanding of aerobic you know aerobic endurance and fitness uh, to, to support that so when I made the transition from team competition into individual competition that was like the biggest area of opportunity for me to grow. And I needed to spend a lot of hours learning how to breathe and how to be uh, an aerobic athlete within the sport. Yeah, that's interesting because that's one of the things that, you know, when I talked to, uh, when I talked to James Fitzgerald a couple of weeks ago and had on the podcast, we talked about like, you know, some of the, the best ways to have an athlete who like build or get into the sport. And mm -hmm. he mentioned, you know, the combination of being a power lifter, but also a long endurance runner, those things go like, if you have a really good, you know, one rep max deadlift and a really good 5k time, you'll do pretty well within the sport once you learn everything else. So it's interesting that you don't, you didn't have that aerobic base. So what were, 
what were some of the things that you did to, to build the aerobic base? Was it just like long endurance training? Was it intervals? What's that kind of aerobic training look like for uh, someone that needs to get that aerobic base relatively quick? And is it something that like muscle takes years or can you build that aerobic engine a little bit faster than that? Um, yeah, it's definitely not something you can build quickly for sure. Um, unfortunately my coach at the time was James Fitzgerald. So <laughs> he basically guided me through, uh, what was a, what was really a four year process to me becoming pretty good at that stuff. You know, it started in 2013. Um, he started individually coaching me and it was just, you know, uh, hundreds of hours on bike, row, run, doing mixed modal stuff at just sustainable efforts. And I just needed to put in the time. Um, so yeah, it's like you got to basically learning how to become like a cross country athlete takes years. A cyclist takes years to, to build that aerobic base, but you're trying to do it in a mixed modal setting where you need to be able to do that with box jumps, kettlebell swings, deadlifts, snatches, GHD sit-ups, bike, ski, whatever. Um, so yeah, it was, it was like, you know, up to 60 to 90 minutes, almost a day of just monostructural cardio. And then on top of that mixed modal, uh, preparation. Um, and yeah, James was, James supported me for the first two years of that. Then I switched coaches to Mike Lee. Mike Lee did that for several years for me. And it was just that, that continuous build that like, yeah, 2013, I had them as a coach. I was still not aerobically fit whatsoever. I, I snuck into the games, went and got my ass kicked at the games. The next year came back. I was better, but I was still not, I had not built that level of fitness and that aerobic base wasn't there, which meant that I didn't have the ability to sustain and recover through a four day competition like the games. So I got crushed on the weekend, finished 24th. Right. And then I took, had two more years before I showed up at the games again, cause I took a year off. And in those two years, I made some really big strides in my aerobic fitness along with my strength and my just competitive confidence. And then I came to the games and got 12. And that was because I had a strong finish on the weekend due to the fact that I had built up four years of just like really great aerobic base training. And the reason I was not top 10 is because I didn't have finishing power on the stuff that was like, you know, swim, run, like all of the, the, the sort of somewhat specialty events I, I did not do well on, on the CrossFit events that weekend. If we look at them, like I, you take out some of like the specialty events and the CrossFit events. I was a top 10 athlete that year for sure. I took four heat wins. I got fourth place in three different, four different workouts. Like I was having really successful finishes and it's cause I had just really learned how to play the sport really well. I sucked at swimming and I sucked at long distance running and I took 30 plus 30th plus place in those two events. Had I, had I gotten the top 15 in, in, in each of them or either one, I would have been in the top 10 uh, at, at the games that year. How frustrating is that when you know that's your, your hole and you're, you're like, you're listening to the events kind of come out at the games and you're like, shit, here comes a long distance one again. I know I can crush this. Like you do well at, at like an open style competition, right? Where it's five weeks of, you know, mixed modal between you know 10 minutes and 20 minutes for the most part. But when it comes to those like 40 minute long workouts where it's, uh, it's like mostly just running. Like it, it puts you like it, it puts you way down the leaderboard in terms of the game. How frustrating is that when you're in, in those moments? 
Well, the way the games was kind of written back then, it, it was it was really uh, it was like demoralizing a little bit, you know, because we always started with those kinds of events. So, you know, after two after a day and a half of competition, we had done a seven k trail run, we had done Murph, and we had done a swim, an open water swim. And those three events were not going to be strong suits for me. So it's like you just starting the weekend off in like a low placement and then seeing you still have all this work ahead of you is frustrating. But you know, it didn't, I didn't get too down on it. Um, I'm a matter of fact, I was like really proud of myself for being able to do those events and feel quite good by the end of it. Like, yeah, I got 30th, 31st or 32nd place on the run but I felt great. And I was like, Oh, I don't, it didn't kill me. You know, it's like, it, it didn't take me out of the weekend competition, which was really always the goal over those years was to just, you know, build up a base of fitness where I could do the events that I was not good at and they wouldn't crush me. Whereas like a guy like, you know, Sam dancer that year, for example, he ran that trail, that trail run took last place, won the deadlift right afterwards, but his 40th place on that run, put a, a hurt on him that he never, I don't think he ever recovered from that weekend. Whereas my 31st place, yeah, it knocked me down the leaderboard, but I felt like fine, you know? And somebody would say like, well, you didn't run hard enough. And I'm like, no, I, I knew how hard I could run and still recover and last the weekend and be successful. And that's just, I just played the game the way, the best way I could. Hundred percent, yeah. Because if you know, if you if you try to push it to finish, say, twenty fifth or even twentieth, it might have cost you feeling good enough to do well on the CrossFit workouts, which are more your specialty throughout the week. Yeah. So that totally makes sense from a coach's perspective. And I guess now that you kind of understand things even more than you did back then, is it possible for athletes to be still training that way and getting uh, improvements within their strength movement? So, like. You know, is it possible for you to be continually working on your aerobic long-term engine and improving your 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 clean, your jerk, your snatch, those kinds of things that you know make a a big difference when it comes to the competitive side of of CrossFit for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I I was a perfect example of it for years, and um, there's a lot more that have followed followed me too. Um, you know, in that time, I got really strong for, for fitness. I mean, I, I, when I started working with James, I think I had a, a max snatch of 245, maybe 240, you know, and four or five years later, I built a massive aerobic base and I snatched 280. So, uh, and it's just one lift, but all my lifts were consistent and congruent with that too. And, you know, understanding, uh, how to build aerobic fitness, is something that I think is, is still misunderstood a lot. People are getting a little bit more knowledgeable of it, but you know, people see like, and they, they, I don't know this whole idea. Like I got to build my engine and they, they want to go into the gym and just suffer. And I'm like, that was so backwards. Like you just don't like people that are good at, at riding bikes <laughs> for distances or running for distances. Like, go watch them run and go watch them train. There's, there's the, the, the proportion of their training that is suffering is, is like so finite. It's so small relative to countless hours of just sustainable work. And 
once once I understood that and I saw what that could look like in a mixed modal setting or in the you know in CrossFit, it changed my perspective on training. It took me years to get there. I was like, I got to suffer more to get better. And it's like, no, if you're suffering in your aerobic training, that's actually not aerobic training. You're you're getting into unsustainable work sets, and that's starting to become lactic training. That has a much greater impact on your nervous system and your ability to recover and your ability to have concurrent strength developments that we're talking about. So yeah, you, you think you, you think that's the path to great, you know, engine building. Well, one, it's not all it does is it it improves your, your, you know, maybe it improves your lactic threshold a little bit. It might improve like your, your brain's ability to like cope with suffering, but it's going to, it's not going to improve your aerobic capacity and it's going to inhibit your ability to grow uh, the strength requirements for the sport. So, yeah, that's kind of what I learned over those years and where I think people still make mistakes. I agree, and I think that that's a, that's a hard thing to, to understand and to get. I think for myself, you know, I was, I was part of when I was kind of learning more about fitness and, and whatnot, um, I came up in that era where it was like, you know, we, we found out that sprint intervals burn more calories after exercise. So that like, it was just like, Oh, then we, all we should do is sprint intervals all the time. Sure. Right. Yeah. We should just work out for 20 minutes and not work out and not do anything long whatsoever. So like, I totally understand where people are, are coming from. And I think that that mentality is definitely still uh, across the fitness at space right now. I know, I mean, look at like, look at most CrossFit gyms, the, the, the one that people are far less likely to not show up on your day when you do programming is you program a 5k. If you don't want anyone into your gym, program a 5k, people won't show up. But if you program that, you know, that 10 minute AMRAP of like four different movements, people are there. Right. So it's interesting. So when it comes to your competitive, you know, aspect of things and without even getting into grid, cause that's another, another one we could go down another rabbit hole with 2016 was your last year that you've done um, competitively on the games from what I understand. So mm-hmm. take me through those last three years. Cause, and it's, it's changed for you. Like it, and not only like family wise, business wise, competitively, so much change has probably happened in the last three years. It's kind of hard to even look back on. So yeah, take me through uh, that first decision to, I guess, probably step back from competing. Um, if, if you wanted to, what that looked like, were you planning on just taking a year off that became three or how did that transfer uh, go down? Yeah. I mean, every year was always like, I tried to look at each year independently of, you know, the, the previous or any future years. It was like, what am I doing this year? Why am I doing it? I knew enough to, uh, from my time competing that, you know, dedicating and committing to a season of, of competitive fitness was, was a huge undertaking. And it was going to mean sacrificing aspects of my, my personal life, my relationships, my family, my work. Um, and it had to like make sense, like, you know, the, 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 the reward or the benefit that was, that was, that could come from it had to make sense, you know? And so as I had kind of reached that 2016 mark, um, I was, I had seen what, how, how close I could get to the top of the sport. And I, you know, at 12th place was like, what would it take for me to really move into the next level? Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't like driven by that. Like, Oh, I gotta get, you know, like those first five, six years were all about like me growing as a person and, you know, uh, 
emotional and mental and physical development. And uh, it was, it was like this, this personal journey I was on to kind of discover who I was through fitness. And yeah, I was, each step was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to push myself a little bit harder to see what it really takes. And then I hit that 2016 and it was like this highlight. And then I was like, man, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm motivated by that continue, like, like drive to be at the top. Um, and that was at the same time that my wife was pregnant and we had just gotten married and, you know, my business was changing. So I just saw that there were changes coming in my life in areas where I was going to have to challenge myself outside of fitness and to say, if I, you know, t if I take on fitness right now or fitness as a sport for 2017, it probably isn't, it's not going to be, um, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to be as fulfilling as it had been in the past because I'm going to be looking at other things. And so my daughter was born the, the first week of the CrossFit Open 2017. So I, I had kind of been preparing like I was going to compete that year. Um, but then I just decided that it, it, there's just too many other things that I wanted to focus on. Uh, so really, like it, I, I took a step back that year, thought maybe I'll come back the following year. Um, but truthfully, like m my business and my family life just really took off in a way that um, I couldn't justify going back to that like mental, emotional, physical commitment that it takes to be a competitor in the sport. I wasn't, it just wasn't, I wasn't ready. I, I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and that's how I kind of made the decision to step away. And, and ever since I've been, you know, I've been, I've been mentally, physically, uh, and emotionally challenged in so many aspects of life that to be honest, like I miss aspects of being a competitive fitness athlete. I like, I like the training for it. I like the dedication to it. Um, however, it's just not, it's not, uh, I, I, it's, it's, I'm not able to replicate that same process that I used to, to do uh, way back when. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's also kind of, you know, it's not necessarily functional for your aspect of life potentially, right. With just with two kids that are very pretty young business that's growing. Um, but the, the word that I used there was, that was interesting was, functional. um, like I said, you before, when I introduced you, you were the first person I had heard that talked about fun functional bodybuilding. Um, and I know that was a term I think you kind of created or was with your coach. Um, but how did that business kind of unravel a little bit and how did it unearth itself? Just because like, it's, it is, a it's, it's still in the, the functional fitness aspect of things. If you want to look at it that way and you want to classify and put a label on it, but yeah, I guess how did uh, how did you get that idea to to think this is like this is something that CrossFitters or people just in general um, need to know about and and should be doing to kind of make themselves better or just more whole as an athlete or or just a regular everyday human being? Um, well, yeah, I mean, for, uh, it, it came it sort of started with my like com the 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 tail end of my competitive fitness journey. Um, you know, I've always, I've always known, or I, I definitely for the last several years, I knew that competitive fitness, training for the games and using CrossFit or fitness for health, longevity, and for general pop people was totally, two totally different, you know, things. It's like training for like the, the NFL combine versus going and playing flag football. It's like, what are the, you know, on the weekends with some friends, like what are the needs and the differences? Um, 
so with that said, I, I just, once I got done really competing or I kind of hit the tail end of competing, I was like, I need to sort of shift my training a bit in order to like feel a little better, you know, enjoy, uh, the fruits of my fitness labor in my day to day life, not be walking around sore and beat up every day. I mean, it was like someone said it yesterday, like pros play hurt, like professional athletes do play hurt all the time. It's like, that's just part of the job. And that's kind of part of like the CrossFit athlete role. It's like, you're constantly beat up, you're feeling banged up, you're sore, you're tired. Uh, but you just keep grinding it out. Cause that's how you reach peak levels of fitness. And I just was ready to not feel that way anymore. And so some of the, the things I started to implement within my own training, I saw that there was a real good carryover for other people that were doing fitness, gen pop people. I mean, I, people have always said like, well, CrossFit's this universally scalable, you know, fitness methodology. And it, it is to a certain degree, but I, I think that we were at a stage and we're still kind of at the stage where people aren't sure how to actually make that, you know, really, uh, adapt the methodology that they see athletes in the games using into something that really works for people that are like, I, I just want to be a little stronger. I want to lose some body fat and I just want to feel good. Um, it's, it's still like a very intense fitness, uh, you know, methodology that, so anyhow, that's where functional bodybuilding really, I think got its origins and then it started to gain awareness and, um, interest from others was that it was essentially like, okay, how do we take the mixed modal fitness stuff that we're, we all really like to do and make it such that people can do it three to five days a week, feel really good and not get burnt out from it. Um, and that's kind of where I found a little niche in the fitness world and how people have sort of paid attention to what I'm doing. And it's been kind of a, uh, it's been a fun education and growth process over the last several years to essentially learn how to market that, that message or share that message and let people understand that there is a better way that they could be doing it if they're running into obstacles, like feeling burnt out, getting injured over and over again, not seeing the results that they thought they were supposed to be seeing from working out as intensely as they're working out. Um, yeah, that's, that's been the message. Yeah. And I think it's an awesome message. I think that like, you know, I, I followed, I followed you on Instagram and I will, we'll talk about where to follow you on Instagram in a bit, but like some of the content you give out that way, I was actually just kind of looking through your Instagram uh, profile this morning. And, and like, I saw a workout that was like, you know, it was one that I'm like, I screenshot. I was like, I have to try this workout. Cause I think it's going to be good. It's the, uh, it's the quad, the quad workout with your one and a quarter squats, the cyclist, uh, squats, uh, sumo jump squats. And then the, the sled drag, that's one that like, you know, as someone who does CrossFit, I'm like, that's awesome. Like I quads are something that I, I miss. I miss that bodybuilding aspect of things, but you know, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of my friends who, who met you at the games this year, like he's done your programming. I think he had a back surgery or had a massive back injury. And, and now he's back to doing regular programming within CrossFit just because he, he couldn't do anything before from being injured. So, um, so yeah, Grant, I know he definitely loved your programming. So that's something that like your programming has helped a lot of people get back to fitness or just stay within that and realize they didn't need to go as hard as they, 
they once did every single day and just go to the well, what's the pain cave, right? So where do you want to see that go? Where do you want to see the, the uh, functional fitness space go in that? Because like I mentioned before, you know, people were, were very much thinking I have to kill myself in the gym to get results. And to me anyways, and maybe that's because I'm in the space, I'm starting to see that that's shifting a little bit with educators like yourself. People are starting to understand they don't have to. Um, mm-hmm. And even like yourself, like you, you used to probably work out two to three hours a day. And I imagine now it's one hour a day or maybe even less. I don't know. But, you know, volume that isn't what people thought. Like more is definitely not always better. Better mm-hmm. is better, right? So how do you uh, – do you see that changing and where do you want to see it go? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I do see it changing and I do want to continue to be part of the group of fitness professionals that ushers in a a new, a new outlook on fitness that, um, and I think it starts with something that I've heard James talk about a lot. And so it's like the, the mentality and the, the, the way the fitness industry is set up and the way things are marketed and and the culture that we live in, people are looking for, for fixes to their problems and they're looking for fast fixes or quick fixes because that's what they've been told for years is possible through, you know, faulty marketing and advertising and just misleading clients and saying, Oh, you can fix this in this amount of time. If you do it like this and you follow our 30 day cut plan or whatever. So we kind of, are having to change the language. It's like, you know, that there is no fast solution. Consistency and playing the long game is the way we have to do this. You know, simple is actually really sexy in the end and not doing the flashy thing for a week that won't get you the results that you want. That's, that might look sexy on, on paper, but it doesn't work. So it's just changing this whole conversation. I want to keep talking about it and making that, the focal point of like, Hey, look, like here's my 10 year transformation photo, right? Here's my, you know, I did not go from this to that overnight. I went from this to that over the course of 10 years by applying consistent training principles for a long time. And that's my goal is to do that for another 10 years. And when I post my next 10 year transformation picture, you know, or sustaining picture, whatever it is, like, it's going to resonate with people be like, Oh damn, that's how it's done. And, uh, get people on board for that long process. And then now <laughs> if you're on board for the long process and like, well, what does training look like over time? How do we put together a, tra- a set of training principles that you can actually do for a long time and not get burnt out, not feel tired of, get bored of, et cetera. And so that, that's going to require constant innovation, constant, uh, updating, but it has to be built around these, this set of principles that I think is what is rooted within functional bodybuilding that will set people up for, for long-term success. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like that's, I think that, you know, to, to steal a clip from the entire episode that kind of gives the most basic life advice was the idea that like the simple is the most effective way. It, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, that, that goes to a lot of different things. Like it goes to life in general too, but it goes to like dieting, right? Like just the simple things like figuring out what good nutrition is really not that hard. Like eating whole foods is, is really not that complicated for the most part in terms of what's going to make the biggest difference on your goals with nutrition and, and whatnot. Um, I only had a couple more questions for you. Um, 
looking at your bio, looking at your age, you're 34 years old, I think turning 35. I don't know when your birthday is, yeah. um, but I heard before that you had, had thoughts of competitive um, aspirations again in the future. Are you looking to, to do the open again and get into masters or what are your thoughts in that aspect of the world? It, it definitely, it definitely appeals to me for sure. Um, I, I would say that, you know, my, my, my priorities are definitely, um, you know, having a, a, like a, a strong, healthy body, like feeling like every day I can wake up and just be like, I feel great. And I know that to engage in the competitive fitness landscape, it means you have to sort of ride that line a bit more. Um, I think that the, I think the CrossFit games for masters is ultra competitive, especially with this 35 mm -hmm. um, year old age division. I mean, it was competitive this year. It's going to be a lot more competitive next this, this coming year, 2020. I know a handful of guys that are my age that are going to be, you know, aging into that group and it's, it's no joke. Right. So I know that if I wanted to compete in that, I'd have to like ramp up my training uh, considerably, uh, to do it the way I would want to do it. And I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. Um, but you know, looking at opportunities like, you know, many of these sanctional events that are coming out, they have age, age group, uh, categories that, you know, if, if there's something like in a, um, yeah, if there's something that appeals to me to do, like where I could, train for a bit, do an online qualifier and then go and compete like on a weekend and, and not dedicate a whole year of training to it. Like, you know, I stay at, at a relatively high level of fitness. Um, you know, there's, there's certain workouts that I could go out and do well in right now. It's just a matter of like, can I string it all together and, you know, qualify through multiple stages to the CrossFit games is another story. So I'm kind of in the middle, right? It's like, like, I, I you know, part of me is like, yeah, I'd love to, but I'm just realistic. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to put myself through five weeks of the open and then, you know, spend two months like doing hard training to get ready for the masters or the, the, the age group qualifier, which is all going to be happening like right around the holidays this year. And it's like, uh, you know, that it's just a, it's, it's kind of a drag to be honest, <laughs> to get through it all. And of course, like to compete at the games would be a super big honor. And I'd love to be out there with, I think, you know, guys like Nick Uranker and uh, Graham Holmberg is going to be competing in that age division this year. And I mean, it's going to have awesome dudes that I've competed against in the past and I, I look up to and I respect. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like there's a lot of, there is a really lot of good competitors in that 35 to 39 age demographic. It's when that, when they first brought that age group out, I was like, Whoa, that this could get pretty interesting. Um, Definitely interesting to see how you value that because I think a lot of people don't understand how that value system works within competitions. A lot of people think, I, you know, I really want to look good and, you know, looking good and performing good aren't necessarily or even kind of close to the same things in a lot of the times, right? Um, it, yeah. Especially when you look at the, the CrossFit Games competitors like, like yourself, like you, you aesthetically look good right but it's it's hard to say that like everyone is in that same aspect of things when it comes to competition so again i could go into like a hundred other questions and, and go down a couple of different rabbit holes but i kind of wanted to, to wrap up on a couple of questions i usually ask most people um sure. one of the questions I, I wanted to ask though was just going into 
your bio. I, I thought it was the most interesting thing. And again, I'd love to chat about this more on a future episode, but on your bio, you meant you have vulnerabilities written four different times. And I didn't like count all of the other words to see if this was the highest of the words on your bio, but I wondered why vulnerability was so high on, on that number and why you mentioned it so many times. So what does vulnerability mean to you and why is, if it's important, why is it so important to you? <laughs> well, it's just a reminder to me to go and change the copy on my uh, bio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Why is it so, I mean, just, I think it, it goes back to like those years between college and medical school when um, I learned a valuable lesson that, being open and exposing um, things that I was fearful of or putting myself in positions where uh, I got really uncomfortable. It was just where there was a lot of growth potential to happen. And that's, that's how uh, I was going to, you know, become uh, or not become, but just uh, experience just deeper parts of who I was, uh, was by just not, hiding and 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 showing it in some way and so i kind of just took that with me into a lot of different um aspects of my life and it's like i I think james also talked about it a lot when i first started working with him and when i got to know him quite well as a coach it was like you know there's there's no hiding you gotta like you gotta show everybody what you're what you're made of and um i took that lesson into like how i approached you know sort of like online fitness and social media and it's like just, and it's just, it's, it's just been like a powerful tool for, for self exploration and growth. And, and, and that's something I'm just driven by. Um, so I encourage that. I, I ask my clients to do that. I ask the coaches that are around me to do that. I, I want to be an example of that to people. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think there is a, a lot of merit to that in terms of like just letting your guards down because if like you if you do let your guards down and you, you expose yourself to your weaknesses, not only do you learn more about them, but um, no one can really highlight them because you know what they are. Um, last question I had kind of was a, a more legacy question, and it's like so I always lead it off saying it's a little bit more of a morbid question. But if you're thinking about like you know your funeral and you're at your own funeral watching over what would you want people to say about like who Marcus was when he was here and what he, what, what kind of message he left after he passed on? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's changed a bit for me uh, since the, my kids were born, but essentially it's just like, you know, I, I want, I want it to be something around, you know, I, I was uh I don't know, like a, a husband, a father that cared a lot about his family and that, you know, put them above all else and, and everything that he did. And, um, and certainly, and that kind of goes for like my business too, like the people that work for me and the people that are, are here. It's like they, they, uh, that I, I prioritize those people around me more than I prioritize myself. And, and in doing so, it like filled me up with all the, everything I needed in life. Um, and that's kind of something I, I, I'm still, you know, I still want to work towards. Um, I absolutely want to, uh, you know, this uh, like being 
being selfless is actually a way it's like, it's like kind of a, a runaround way to, of being selfish. Like by giving to others is like how I'm going to, I ultimately get to fill myself back up. Um, yeah. so, and then, and then also somebody who like never lost sight of themselves in the process. So, you know, I know a lot of like, so on that same tokens, like I know a lot of people that are selfless and they do a lot for others at the expense of their own personal needs and, and their personal health. And so at some point that runs up, they can't be of, of service to other people because now they're hurting so much and they're sick and they've, you know, forgotten about taking care of themselves. So it's that fine balance between that and being an example that's like, oh man, like Marcus has got kids and he runs a business and his, his employees respect the heck out of him and they, they, they feel like he's there for them and his kids and his wife feel like he's there for them and, and is always ready to show up. And he never let his health go. He never let his fitness go. He never let like his own personal goals go like that. That's a big motivator for me for sure. Yeah. It sounds like you have a really serve first mentality, but like with the idea of, you know, you can't fill, you can't fill from an empty glass. I think that's the proper term. I can't remember, but anyways, um, thanks so much for, for coming on. I'd love to have you on again, talking, diving even deeper on the, the functional bodybuilding uh, thing. Cause I think that's something that I'd love to, to unpack a little bit more. Um, but to, to kind of close off, where can, uh, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody find about functional bodybuilding, uh, to learn more about the program, learn more about what it entails and, and you yourself. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, and definitely a, a love, I love the opportunity to like share more with your listeners and, and if they want to learn more about functional bodybuilding and our methods, then the best way to do that is to go to revivalstrength.com. That's our website. I have a, a email list that you can sign up for and every week I'm sending out like lots of free content. So two articles a week that go out on a variety of different topics from training to nutrition, to lifestyle, uh, lots of free workouts and functional bodybuilding, you know, examples so that you can try them. Um, it's really just the way we communicate with most of our customers and, and our audience. So that along with social media, Marcus Philly on Instagram is, is a great place to get some snippets. But if you want to get more into the, the granular details of functional bodybuilding, definitely sign up for the, uh, for the email list and you get some um, kind of sweet training programs on the, on the front end that are, that are free. So you can go and try them out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Marcus. I'll be sure to, to put those uh, links in the show notes for, for next week as well. Thanks so much. And uh, until next time, we'll let you go. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.